Welcome to the Creek Default Podcast, where we discuss the latest news, laws, and trends affecting your industry. All right. Good morning, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning, George. Uh, you are in the Krieg DeVault podcast studio. How does it feel? It's a pretty nice room, isn't it? It's very exciting. <laughs> we, uh, we thank you for being here. I know you have a busy practice, so uh, taking some time out to talk with us today is very much appreciated. Could you tell us a little bit about your background before we get going? You are the chair of our employment law group. That is correct. Uh, I chair Krieg DeVault's employment law practice group. Uh, I practice out of our Carmel office, uh, but certainly advise our clients all over the state and and outside the state on various employment law issues that arise uh, daily for employers, as well as uh, handle employment litigation needs that may arise for our clients. And when we hear the phrase employment law, we as attorneys understand that, but would you, could you define at least kind of maybe the four points of that if there is such a thing as the borders of employment law? Right. So really it's uh, any issue that might arise for an employer We're dealing with their employees or even independent contractors uh, under local laws, state law, federal law, you know, from discrimination type issues to hiring and firing decisions to employment policies, uh, contracts, non-competes, you know, really anything that touches uh, their employees and and the issues that come up with employees are are things that we advise on. Yeah. We know that employment is getting more complicated by the year, right? It's it's no longer a, a simple thing. And employers have to be sophisticated in how they handle those employee relationships. When we look at 2021, uh, we've just are coming out of COVID, but not there yet. That seems to be kind of the hot topic. Um, And I think that's a hot topic in employment law as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Continues to be at the forefront of employers' minds and the questions that they're asking. And one of the questions that I, I think we're, is the focus of today's podcast, well, well not only looking at the broad-based uh, employment law, but really uh, to talk about the COVID vaccine and COVID in the workplace. What effects has it had? Let's start with that. What effects has COVID had on the workplace and how are employers coping with those changes? Well, what I would say, George, is that we're kind of at an exciting Point in the uh, code in the workplace conversation where we're talking about vaccines and employees becoming vaccinated and employers reopening and bringing employees back into the workplace, uh, which, you know, I, I think has been an exciting time for employers and, and our clients, certainly. Um, you know, employers have had to go through multiple phases of of dealing with COVID in the workplace from, you know, initial shutdowns, uh, whether voluntary or, or mandated uh, by, by the government, to then instituting temperature checks and screening employees, um, and then handling quarantine and isolation for employees who were exposed or, or tested positive or, you know, requiring employees to be tested. Um, you know, employers having to figure out how they were going to create safe workplaces for employees who were 
uh, remaining in the workplace and developing their COVID safety plans and, and all that went into uh, to that planning. And now at the stage of vaccinations, which like I said, is, is an exciting time uh, because it, it you know helps us look forward to a return to normalcy uh, as much as possible, but, but certainly comes with many uh, accompanying legal questions and issues, uh, just as all of those phases have. Um, and, and what I've told employers is, listen, anything that you're deciding today is subject to change tomorrow, right? If we've learned anything about COVID in the workplace over the last you know, year, year and a half, it's that our plans are always subject to change whether that be because the CDC you know, changes course or, or um, publishes new guidance or you know, OSHA comes out with something or state and local governments come out uh, with something, uh, employers' plans have had to be flexible uh, as it relates to COVID in the workplace. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, a law school exam. Uh, oftentimes people ask, what is the value a lawyer brings, especially to maybe people who aren't used to consulting with an attorney on a, uh, on a, on a regular basis? And I often tell them uh, that what a lawyer brings is the ability to issue spot, to spot those pitfalls, risks, potential problems that may arise before they arise, uh, much like a, a physician might, might spot warning signs before it becomes a real problem. Um, and, and as you were talking, I was thinking that word, that, that phrase, issue spotting. Um, and as we progress to this exciting vaccine, there are still some who are not excited about it. Uh, and I think that's the reality. Um, but <clears throat> I, I wanted you to touch just a little bit on those previous steps. These were probably also people who weren't excited about being forced to stay home, uh, who weren't excited about being forced to wear masks or other PPE uh, or and weren't excited about having their temperature checks taken. Where does our personal freedom end and society's need begin? And I know that's a bit more philosophical than legal, but, but even legally, there are reasons that government and employers can step into your personal boundaries. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that the starting point uh, that I mentioned previously is that legal obligation on every employer under OSHA to create a safe workplace and figuring out what does that mean and, you know, what parameters does an employer have to have in place uh, in order to create that safe workplace. And so oftentimes that leads to, you know, sorry, but we have to mandate uh, masks. We have to mandate social distancing. We have to mandate, uh, you know, other uh, cleaning protocols and, and all of those things that OSHA would require an employer to do in order to create a safe workplace. Um, and, and not just under OSHA, but the CDC and, and so forth. And, and so really at the outset of all of this, it was getting employers familiar with relying on those resources. You know, when I would get a question from a client about, you know, what do we need to do about social distancing? Uh, what do we need to do about masks? What do we need to do about, you know, temperature checks? All of, all of those things, you know, we would work together to review applicable CDC guidance that was an often, it was oftentimes a very industry specific, right? If you're a healthcare right. employer, you have one set of rules. If you're a manufacturer, you might have a different set of rules, uh, but it was getting comfortable with that guidance 
and then uh, figuring out how to communicate that to employees. Uh, because like you say, you know, there were, there were certainly employees uh, who did not want to wear masks, right? Just as there are employees who do not want to be vaccinated and figuring out, okay, how can we, you know, what can we do in response to that? Oftentimes it's through education, right? Step one through this process for employers has been educating their employees about the protocols, about safety, about what they're doing to keep them safe, and, and even about the, the vaccines, right? Providing uh, credible resources, credible information about the vaccines to employees to hopefully encourage vaccination. Uh, I would say most of the uh, employers I've been talking to uh, to date have not been mandating vaccines. Very, very right. few have. Most of them have been strongly encouraging, uh, like I said, first through that education piece, some through offering incentives. Um, you know, some saying, we'll pay you for the time off that you need to go get vaccinated. We'll offer you this monetary bonus uh, if you'll become vaccinated. You know, all sorts of creative ways that employers have been trying to incentivize their employees to become vaccinated. Now, the, the, the vaccine is, in fact, uh, the ultimate personal protective equipment. It is the ultimate barrier that we have right now for, for this particular pandemic. So uh, you touched on that. So the, the employers, your employers that are consulting with you by and large are not mandating that. And let's talk about the legality of that. As we progress, and I know that in the United States, uh, the, the, re the most recent statistic I saw says that uh, there are more vaccines available than there are people to take them. Um, I, I haven't seen the exact statistics on the number of people that have been vaccinated, although I've heard in some states it's, it's approaching uh, three quarters of the population that are eligible for the vaccine. Uh, at what point can a employer say, or what point would you advise an employer to say, uh, we're no longer making this discretionary. And actually, before you answer that, could you talk a little bit about other vaccines or types of um, things that an employer can mandate? I know there's this idea that your employer can't do certain things, but um, you know, I, do, I think it's valuable to say there have been instances in history where employers can do that. Right. I mean, we have the, the history of the examples of, of flu shots, right? And, um, and certainly in healthcare. Uh, employers have long required flu vaccinations. Uh, so we have seen these issues play out in litigation uh, in the past. So in a way, this is nothing new, right? It's nothing new for certain employers to mandate vaccinations and other things. I think what makes this very different is that we're now not just talking about healthcare employers uh, you know, most other employers in the past did not mandate flu vaccines, right? Uh, because they're not caring for patients, right? They're not putting others typically at that much uh, additional risk of, of contracting flu. Um, and so what we're seeing now that seems so different is other types of employers that are beginning to think about mandating vaccinations, not just those in healthcare. So it's much more widespread. It also creates, I think, additional legal questions because you start to ask, you know, is this necessary? 
isn't necessary for other types of employers to mandate flu uh, COVID vaccines uh, as it is in healthcare, right? right. Um, and, and what what we're hearing um, and what we're seeing is that um, you know, given that we are in a global pandemic, given the um, you know drastic impact that COVID nineteen has had across the world. Um, you know, many more employers are are concerned about employees becoming vaccinated for COVID-19 than they are generally about the flu. All right. Now, I'm going to take you from that point, and I think that uh, we could talk about that particular topic for a long time, but um, we don't. We do want to uh, hit a couple of other points that I wanted to ask you about. Beyond mandating, there's also this concept of the COVID vaccine becoming I'll call it a uh, qualification. And this qualification could potentially lead to other legal issues, couldn't it? In other words, let's say that you personally decided you do not want to get vaccinated and your employer takes someone who has been vaccinated and puts them into a role that might that they may feel this person's safer exposing that person to my customers, etc. Um, I know we've long had laws that are designed to avoid uh, our qualifications or our characteristics being used against us is in, a, in, in our employment relationships. Uh, is this become an issue? It, it has become an issue, and, and there are certainly lots of lawyers writing about this very issue uh, right now. And really, uh, what it comes down to is vaccination status in and of itself is not a protected classification, meaning, sure, an employer, in theory, could uh, treat its vaccinated employees differently than its non-vaccinated employees. However, uh, there is a potential for discrimination if that non-vaccinated employee is not becoming vaccinated because either A, for religious reasons, right, um, and then would potentially have a religious discrimination claim that they would try to assert against the employer, or B, uh, an employee who for medical reasons cannot be vaccinated for COVID-19 or whose physician is telling them uh, that they should not become vaccinated. Perhaps they've had adverse reactions, you know, serious adverse reactions to other vaccines in the past, or for whatever medical reason, uh, that employee then may say, well, I have a, a disability such that I cannot become vaccinated, and you, employer, cannot treat me less favorably uh, because I can't become vaccinated due to this uh, underlying medical condition. But it puts the employer in a quagmire because there may be a, a safety or security reason that you wouldn't want to put that non-vaccinated person for instance, I, I'm specifically thinking, let's say, out on the road in a salesman position that could cost that particular person financially or, or opportunities in their career. But in the, in, on the flip side, the employer could be exposing others to COVID-19. Absolutely. Yeah. So, the, so the next part of that analysis is the reasonable accommodation analysis, right? And so is there a reasonable accommodation that that employer can provide to that non-vaccinated employee 
who's not becoming vaccinated because of religious or medical reasons. And so then you think about things like, um, could this person work from home, right, as a reasonable accommodation? Could this person, uh, you know, wear certain PPE as a reasonable accommodation? You know, getting creative and, and you know, the EEOC has certainly provided examples of what those reasonable accommodations might be. At the end of the day, however, there are some jobs, obviously, that cannot be done from home, uh, cannot be done as safely by a, a non-vaccinated individual. And so the employer may decide that person, by being non-vaccinated, presents a direct threat to the, either the health or safety of themselves or others by doing this job. And therefore, there really is no reasonable accommodation that we can provide that will eliminate that direct threat. So that's that's really the legal analysis that it that an employer has to go through uh, for someone who is non-vaccinated and um, you know seeking a reasonable accommodation. Well, Amy, you know it's a fascinating world we live in these past couple of years, and then it definitely has changed the landscape. And I think that uh, it's it's very much a time where thoughtful consideration and legal consultation for all employers and employees to know their options are best. Uh, thanks for sitting down today. Thanks for letting me pick your brain and being a part of the podcast. Uh, I will let you get back to serving clients' needs. If employees want to know more or if anyone wants to know more about uh, some of these topics, they can find our thought leadership at creekdevault.com and specifically look for our employment law group that you chair. Uh, and I'm sure there's other articles and other links on our website where they can find more information. Otherwise, of course, you're only a phone call away. Absolutely. Thank you so much, George. Thank you, Amy. Have a great morning.